Hello and welcome to another episode of the Olay Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 133. And if you wanted to listen to this one as well as previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice five-star rating and a review because you all are all are wonderful people and enjoy us very much. So we are first going to get a little bit of awkwardness out of the way before we transition into the main part of the show, as you have might have heard, whether through our blog commenting channels or around the internet, SB Nation has decided to make uh, more cuts, unfortunately, and part of the cuts from SB Nation and Vox Media include our podcast funding being cut. The good news, I guess if there is any good news, is that it's not immediate, So we can calm those worries right away and tell you that we've got, uh, at least in terms of backing from SB Nation Vox uh, until the end of February. We are definitely going to try and figure out what to do here as a group and keep this podcast alive because uh, as we did so during the pandemic and the early stages of the pandemic, we have grown to enjoy doing this very much, even though Juventus has made us very grumpy during many of these recordings over the last two and a half years. So uh, more news in terms of the future of this podcast when we know more, because we suddenly have some thinking to do. So as we now awkwardly transition into Juventus and not so nice Juventus things, let me bring in the crew here of Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. So sad, sad, weird week, isn't it, Danny? Weird week is definitely a way to to sum it up. Yes. Yeah, we got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting time, definitely. It's uh, scandals abound, and you know, I guess what happens off the pitch is just as important as what happens on the pitch. Uh, well, I mean, often more important, I guess. So, yeah, the two are definitely very, very much connected, as we'll uh, talk about today. Indeed, indeed. Last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always for for as long as this lasts. Happy to be here. So. Hopefully that continues uh, for many, many, many more renditions. Yes, we will. We'll try like heck to keep this going. So uh, a lot to talk about, especially considering what the last few days have been like for Juventus on and off the field, as Chuck's alluded to. So first, let's just go around my Zoom window. And Sam, your takeaway from the week that was, or should we just say the last 48 hours? My takeaway, I'm going to go with an on-field takeaway, which is... When did we start shooting ourselves in the foot again? <laughs> I thought we were past this. Because, you know, today's game was two points thrown away, basically, because of just two all absolutely inexcusable mistakes made by two of our most experienced and best performers this year. Not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, that, that's got to that's gotta get fixed up fast. Because with everything else that's going on, if we start doing that again, oh, man. Yes, the stat out coming out of the Atalanta draw that has just blown my mind the most. And obviously, we'll talk about it more here in a few minutes. But first 17 league games, Juventus allowed seven goals. Juventus's last two league games, eight goals allowed. And that, my friends, is not sustainable. Especially when you suddenly need a lot more points than you used to. So uh, we will go clockwise here. Sergio, you're up next. What you got, bud? 
Uh, suddenly, this is a cup team. Uh, this is just all about cups. Uh, Coppa Italia. We're in the quarterfinals now after a tough, tough win against Monza. And then suddenly Europa League, which I've tongue-in-cheek uh, made it kind of like my position in this podcast and in the blog to always put it as the most important competition in the world. Suddenly, kind of actually the most important competition for Juventus now. Uh, obviously, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it. I'm not going to, you know, get get too much into the the new news regarding, you know, the, the Plus Valenza case. But when you consider everything, suddenly the most viable, I think in, in the Slack channel, I think Sam said, like the only path for, for Juventus playing in Europe next season uh, is that Europa League uh, competition now. So it's going to be interesting how to see moving forward how the team, you know, obviously they they've always prioritized the league. It's going to be interesting to see how they kind of prioritize their competitions in the in the coming months, uh, you know, pending an appeal and everything. But it's it's interesting. I, it's, I've talked it into existence of, you know, they're really going to go for the Europa League. Your your comedy choices have now suddenly become the only viable option, Sergio. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> Chucks, last but not least, what you got? Yeah, like Sam, I'll uh, also go for uh, an on-pitch takeaway. And my, my takeaway on, in that sense is that as bad as Bremer was against Napoli, he was good. Uh, today against Atalanta, I thought he just recovered extremely well. And the reason I mentioned that is that I think I, I alluded to it in the last episode about just, you know, what your response is to failure and just personal setbacks and, and team setbacks, but personal setbacks especially. And I think it does really, to me, just in general in life and in sport, you know, your response to significant setbacks and and to failures like Bremer had against Napoli says a lot about a person. And I think, you know, his response to just his kind of personal disastrously bad uh, performance against Napoli was just very good uh, today. And I think that, you know, I just appreciate that type of, you know, mental fortitude and just that kind of character, uh, whether Allegri even talked to him and said, you know, hey, look, you had a bad game, you know, but come on, let's, you know, dust it off and like, let's move forward. Um, or if, you know, who knows, maybe, yeah, you have teammates talk to him or just, or maybe just, you know, talk to hype themselves up, maybe. Uh, but whatever the case, um, I'm just, you know, I appreciate that just type of character. And I think that just shows that he is really, I mean, just a really good player. I mean, to be able to do that and to, you know, he had to recover like that from such a bad performance. Um, yeah, just, you know, says a lot. And uh, and I remember, I think it might have been a Twitter question, or I think you just asked it, Danny, just, uh, yeah, I think you might have just asked it about, you know, if we should be worried about Blamer like last week. And, uh, you know, I think we all uh, agreed that the answer was no. And uh, yes, I, I, think... I was I was going to say you with your about a half second of, of thought process on that no really, uh, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. came in handy here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes, it was on the record. So yes, I'm right. <laughs> I mean, how, who knows? He might next week just have a, you know, complete, you know, <laughs> zero of a performance. So who knows? But no, I, 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 um, yeah, I think like everybody else, I wasn't worried just because it was a, yeah, it was a one off. And, you know, until that point, I, I personally think that that was probably the only bad game, truly bad game he's had with Juve this season, uh, you know, last week against Napoli. So, you know, just good to see him, you know, recover well and just put in a great performance uh, today. 
Yeah, before we get to the off the field stuff that has obviously dominated headlines the last couple of days, the lasting impression from this Atalanta game for Bremer, for me, will be he made a very noticeable mistake around midfield and then just busted his ass to get back defensively and essentially shut down a Atalanta scoring scoring chance by blocking a shot, which you see him and how physically built he is. You don't necessarily associate speed with a guy like that, but you know, he's he's got some speed to his game as well. So although remarkably, I thought he would have a high for some reason I thought he had a high number of interceptions. Uh he had one, uh, one interception. Uh remarkably the one with the most the person with the most interceptions today was uh, McKinney with five um team high five uh interceptions and then Locatelli uh, with two and Bremer and Di Maria with one. So that was uh Bremer had at least three blocks though. Yeah, yep. blocks, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Blocks and aerial. Uh, yeah, effectiveness yeah, right. i feel like was his uh his main thing but uh as we mentioned obviously a lot of off the field stuff going on the last few days with juventus involving the plus valenza case as and the appeal from the figc and unfortunately the 15 points the 15 point deduction that juventus has suddenly been handed which dropped them from uh not exactly comfortable standing in third place but th- third place nonetheless all the way down to uh, entering today 10th place with uh, the the heavy hitters of Serie A known as Bologna and Empoli. So <laughs> uh, I I guess I have a feeling we're all three of you others stand on the decision that was handed out following the appeal. But uh, just from uh, an overall point of view, a big picture point of view, seeing as this drastically changes Juventus' season, season and not in a positive light, how are we suddenly feeling? about this Juventus season, knowing that outside of what happened in 2006, this is the heaviest, you know, sporting sanction that Juventus has faced, especially, you know, the last decade of with so much success. I mean, for me, it just comes down to play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> and, you know, the, the minute that the, the prosecutor's office got involved in this and the, the wiretap stuff started coming out, you know, that's, you know, you knew that something like this was coming. It, it's just a matter of if there's anything that bugs me about this, it's two things. It's one is that I thought 15 points was overkill. I thought that it should. I mean, obviously, the even the, the prosecutors thought that 15 points was overkill. They were asking for nine. Antonio Cassano thought 15 points was too much. Antonio Cassano <laughs> thought 15 points was too much. And also Antonio Cassano believed and this is the other thing that i've been thinking about is that the fact that none of the other clubs that were investigated in this i mean and and all right the re the reason that none of the other clubs that were part of the original investigation ended up getting hit with anything was because none of their front offices were stupid enough to perpetrate financial fraud while they're listed on the stock exchange yeah i that's a big part to it because i i've seen a lot of people going well why is it just juventus well Obviously, you want to see other teams face punishment for something like this. Yeah, Juventus's books are open to everybody because yeah. they are a publicly traded club on the stock exchange in Italy. Yeah. So their finances are open. And while other groups like Manchester City and other, you know, privately owned people, they they are not under the same kind of scrutiny as Juventus because Juventus is publicly traded. Which I, I've always wondered why they're publicly traded. Like when did that start? Why did that start? I don't know. 
Chuck's here, the business guy. Give us an yeah, answer. right. I mean, it's the only reason <laughs> in terms of in terms of getting public with this. I mean, it's raising capital, basically. That's I mean, that's, true. Yeah, that's really and then it's well, for normal businesses. It's a it's a way to exit. You know, it's an exit strategy. So that's when the founders get a nice little windfall of money. You know, when you when you do an IPO, that's you know that's usually the yeah. the exit strategy, and that's when the founders get a whole bunch of money. But yeah, I mean, raising capital that's really the only thing I can think of. Yeah. This isn't the end for other clubs either, because I did read, I think it was yesterday, that the same prosecutor that was just, you know, arguing against, arguing to reopen the case for us is now asking for the documents that the Naples public prosecutor yes. has come across for the Oshiman deal, which is really the other one that's that's pretty blatant. You know, that could still be. But at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just goes to show you how brazen Fabio Pratici was in all of this and the failure of the people that were supervising him to stop him from doing this to such an excessive degree. Everybody does it. I get it. But for us, it was I think I think at one point the. The something about the judge that was was it the judgment or was it the prosecutor statement saying something like that, you know, Juventus everybody did it, but Juventus became addicted to it. And yeah, I mean, ba based on what we've heard about good old Fabio, it's uh, yeah, not a surprise. And and Fabio and and it's clearly was I, I think Paratici got the longest suspension of the bunch. So clearly the the sporting court realized that that this was mostly at his feet but yeah i mean you know like i said before if you if you play something this stupid don't be surprised when something like this happens yeah no it's it's tough it's tough because um especially when when you talk about the things that happen in covid especially when it's like 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 sam was saying like one of the biggest culprits is someone who's not even longer employed by the club is it, it just feels like something that was not necessarily it, it was overkill like the punishment is overkill it's overkill that's happening during the season it's it, it just felt way like they're trying to make a point and i'm not even against the point i do think there were like financial shenanigans that a club like juventus that has that xor backing and that has that money and they can afford to to do those kind of like um you know, financial makeup, because that that's really what it was. It was just makeup. Uh, but I think they're trying to make a point because when you look at all the smaller clubs that, are, that were reporting all these plausible ends, like at some point or another, you know, the chickens are going to come home to roost. And a, and a club like Juventus can just say, well, we're going to ask Exor for some money and they're just going to inject some capital and we're fine. But I think smaller clubs that were playing this very same game, they, they don't have that capacity. They don't have that ability and that's why we were seeing so many like story clubs like Palermo, like so many clubs that just were going broke because they were playing this game. And then when it eventually came to roost, they didn't have that financial backing. So it's I understand why they're making a case. And in a lot of ways, obviously, a lot of people are going to make the, the you know, the, the Calciopoli reference. It, it, it feels similar in the sense like we're going to make this big punishment that that, you know, we know that it might be at that too aggressive considering the actual crime or the actual you know thing that they did wrong but they want to set an example and you know it sucks that it's for juventus it sucks that it happens you know a few years ago and now it's repercuting in this season especially when you know napoli game aside 
you know, they, they were in third place. They were kind of mounting a semi sort of challenge for the title before that Napoli game. And now you're in 10th place. You have absolutely nothing to, to really aspire to for the rest of the season. It's tough as a fan. It's tough as a blog that covers this team. Uh, but I can't, like Sam said, like they they did those things. Like it was a wrong thing and they got punished for it. We can sit here and debate, should other clubs have been punished? Probably. Maybe they will in, in, in the coming months, weeks. Uh, there's an appeal. That, like this story is far from over. But when you look at the facts, it's like, yes, Juventus did something that they shouldn't have done. They got caught and now they're getting punished. Does it suck? Yes. Do they deserve it? Probably not 15 points, but they definitely deserved some sort of punishment. They're making a case. Unfortunately for Juventus, like they are, you know, they want to make the case with the biggest club in Italy. It makes sense. Like I get it. Doesn't make it suck any any less and doesn't make it, you know, I can't imagine that for the players and for people actually trying to salvage this season, they they're all that grateful for something like this kind of becoming the the main narrative in the year. So it's just it's just an unfortunate situation for a club that for years now just seems to be poorly managed. And this is just another, you know, not only on the field, but off the field. Like everything seems to just be poorly, poorly run. And and this is kind of just another another example of that. Just bad management. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So it's it's difficult for me to like comment too much on like the whole legality of this case and you know whether we're innocent or we're guilty because I'm just not a legal expert, right? You know, I uh, heard uh, actually it reminds me of a joke uh, from one of the uh, one other podcast I would listen to where the guy had gone to law school and then I started podcasting and you know now he's a podcaster and he said, yeah, law school is one of the most expensive ways to find out that you don't like law or something. <laughs> which I always always made me chuckle <laughs> but yeah so anyway it's it's hard for me to kind of speak to uh conclusively or decisively on on the legality of it because um you know I'm trying to kind of stay in my lane with stuff like okay you know the legal stuff I leave it to the legal experts and you know as Kevin Hart would stay uh, say uh I like to stay in my lane but it does kind of remind me of um so I you know follow tech podcast too and um I mean, you guys probably know about the whole, um, you know, obviously about the whole crypto madness of uh, Sam Bankman-Fried at uh, FTX. And anyway, they were talking about how, I mean, he's probably going to get a pretty hefty punishment from the courts. And they were talking about that case, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried case and the Elizabeth Holmes case, uh, Theranos. You know, also she got, uh, I think she got like 11 years or something. uh, prison. Yes, 11 years. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, two massive scams and two just two, you know, really big scandals. And, you know, they were also kind of talking about, like, oh, did they deserve it, blah, blah. Uh, and one guy, I remember, you know, said that, like, yeah, they were probably guilty. But the problem is, like, like you guys said, it's like these big cases, they want to make they want to make a statement with it. You know, they really want to say, OK, we're, we're like we want to show that we're going after the scammers and, the you know, the, the, the people doing bad in business and we're going to give them a massive punishment, you know. 
um, again with Elizabeth Holmes, and I'm pretty sure Sam Bangman Fried will get a, like I said, a pretty, pretty hefty punishment. And you know, the guy was saying, like, okay, sure, yeah, they're guilty, but you know, instead of going after just a few scammers, and this was like a venture capitalist expert, like he'd been in the business, and he's like, yeah, look, like, you know, obviously these guys messed up, but like they're he was saying like, look, I see these guys all the time scamming people like this, like scamming investors and just doing terrible things. And he's like, yeah, okay, instead of going after these really big high profile cases and just focusing on them and going down really heavy on these two, I'd rather have lighter punishments for like those big heavy ones and then go after like everyone that's actually scamming people and, and doing these bad things. And so it kind of reminds me of that and, and just this whole Plus Valenza case of, you know, we're again we're talking about other clubs being guilty as well. But then, you know, again with Juve, you can make a statement, right? You can make a big case of like, look, we went after, you know, the big mighty Juventus with uh, you know, Agnelli and they they thought they could, you know, we own deal their ways their way out of uh out of financial uh troubles. But you know, we want to make this big statement and and show that you know, we can go after the big guys instead of, well, it seems to me from what I've read that, you know, there were, I mean, obviously there are other clubs involved in the case and just other clubs likely also doing the same thing to different degrees anyway, but, you know, also being involved in just financial, uh, a creative accounting, as I always like to <laughs> like to call it. And yeah, other, other clubs were involved in stuff like this and, Obviously, that doesn't excuse Juventus's actions right. at all. But to say nothing of the fact that Juventus was by far the most in- exactly they were right, they right, did it yeah. to the most egregious point of right, all this. Right. I mean, you know, we point to the PNH Arthur deal, but there were other ones, and they were yeah. very, you know, was it the uh, a couple of the the deals that Juventus did to Genoa? It's like right, right, that yeah. player. He's played what like fifty senior team minutes. How is he valued? At something like this or the Osaman deal is also obviously the big one. And as Sam mentioned, you know, the Napoli is reportedly going to be under a microscope now in terms of what they did with that. But Juventus were definitely the ones, at least from what we've heard and what's been reported and what's come out in the, the court cases and everything that have been the most involved in deals like this. And yeah, we root for Juventus, but we also have to admit, Hey, <laughs> what they were doing it's not exactly within the legal aspect of things even though like we we fully admit everybody else is probably doing it but yeah, that doesn't yeah. make it right that doesn't yeah. make it right the interesting can we, what, what's the saying about porn like do you like you, you once you see it like you know it or something like oh i know what you're talking <laughs> I know about it yeah when, <laughs> I, about I, I know case, it yeah. when i see it yeah, when, yeah. exactly uh, it was the, it was exactly uh, that like we all knew, like when they, when they tell, like like said, like Danny was saying, like a guy has fifty minutes of senior football, he's suddenly worth ten million euros. Like, what are we doing? Like everyone knew that that wasn't on the up and up, and you know, and I I was always super adamant that they were never gonna really get punished because who's to say what's a guy worth? Right? Like, there's no real value that you can assign to it. But you know, I, I understand that you do enough of those moves, like you value your players incorrectly enough, like enough times. Like if you do that enough times, like clubs are going to suffer financially. And and we saw that happen with a lot of clubs, like the, the small clubs were getting the short end of the stick. Like Danny mentioned the awesome deal. Like 
all the guys that Napoli sent over to, I, I forget which club they bought Osman from. No, with Lille. Lille. Lille got screwed over in that deal. Like we all know that because all the guys that got sent over as, as a counterweight amounted to absolutely nothing. And it doesn't <laughs> matter if you put it in your books that they're worth this amount of money. At some point they devalue and you didn't get anything of them. And it's just a short-term gain. Financially, that just wasn't something that, that they're going to be able to do in the long term, other than clubs like Juventus that have that sort of financial backing. So those type of practices, I think, like like Chuck was saying, is creative accounting. It's, you know, making sort of trying to put better numbers that you actually have. But sooner or later, that's going to screw you over. And it's not going to screw over Juventus because they have that financial backing, because they have extra, because they can just say, hey, inject another 800 million euros into my club and good but you know the small clubs were going to get screwed over by that at some point and it's not the worst thing that they're actually trying to regulate that again it sucks that it's against juve but it's not the worst thing that they're trying to to do something on that and i honestly i just hope that other clubs like napoli like like other clubs that were doing it face some some consequences as well because like you guys said like juve was definitely not the only one doing it if there's one parallel to Calciopoli in all of this, it's that. It's that Juventus were not the only club doing it. <laughs> and it's a and it's kind of a, a, a horrible defense. Like, yes, we did it. Yes, it was wrong. But what yeah. about the other guys? Like, I know it's not the greatest moral, you know, sort of defense for Juventus, but it's true. Like, if you're going to punish it, punish everyone. Like, it, that, that's kind of like the, the sense of many people, like you guys were saying at the beginning, like even a guy like, uh, like Asano, who was this, you know, storied, you know, Roma player, like everyone was like, okay, it's wrong, then punish everyone. Like, it just feels weird that it's only Juve. And obviously the reasons we already explained, like why it's only Juve right now, but hopefully this kind of, you know, detonates an investigation into all of the clubs that were doing it because it is wrong. It is unsustainable. Hopefully this kind of makes it so that that club stuff kind of stop doing that practice. And, and I mean, it is a bad defense, right? Like you said, like, you know, the what about is I'm like, what about them? What about them? You know, but I mean, I think to me, it's significant because it makes you wonder, okay, what is the threshold for, okay, now it's worth minus 15 point penalty. Like, what is the, like, where does that switch flip? Um, you know, like you said, Danny, with the whole, with the, the, I guess what the prosecutor, one of the people said about, you know, Juve being, or like everyone did it, but Juve was addicted to it or some, uh, something like that. Yeah, you know, and that kind of goes back to like my parallel with the tech uh, tech scammers, uh, Sam Bankman Fried and then uh, Elizabeth uh, Holmes, where, you know, again, like, yeah, everybody did it, but they did it like horrifically bad, clearly. But again, yeah, like, where is that threshold? Like, what what do we determine as an acceptable level of uh, scamming, scamming or financial uh wizardry creative accounting and and what is an unacceptable amount of it i don't know um i yeah i really have no idea but i think also kind of like i try and think okay what is the reason like what is the fundamental reason that clubs would do this like why did this happen this isn't just a one time thing like oh you know i mean obviously it was exacerbated by covid and that forced clubs into kind of more uh yeah i mean the the money was tight tighter than usual and just the financial hit that clubs took it it probably forced them into kind of desperate measures you know desperate times desperate measures but i mean this doesn't i just feel like something like this didn't just suddenly out of nowhere happen like there 
there's got to be some kind of fundamental reasons that a club like Juve and other clubs in Italy and, and across Europe, I mean, Lord knows, like across Europe, I mean, look at all the PSG uh, sponsorship deals, you know, that they're getting from uh, the Qatari uh, sports. Uh, well, I forget what, what they're officially called, but, you know, all those like kind of interesting sponsorships there. And again, I, I don't want to delve into the whataboutism, but like, what is the reason that clubs are just feeling so, I mean, I don't know, compelled to be just doing these financial, uh, yeah, I don't know, questionable things, you know? It comes it comes back to the original point. I believe this was part of the argument why Juventus were cleared of charges in the beginning was the fact that how do you truly figure out what a player is worth? It's not like there's, you know, you go to a website and this is nothing against transfer market because they're obviously <laughs> a very good resource, but they are not the be-all, end-all in terms of transfer valuations. It's between the two clubs. So obviously, if you've got two clubs agreeing to a price for one player, that might be different than, say, what Juventus and Genoa think and what Juventus and, I don't know, Parma might think, or what Man City might sell a player to Brighton or vice versa compared to Man City and, I don't know, Arsenal, whatever. It There's no, this is the price. I mean, just look at what uh, Chelsea and Arsenal were just going through uh, a week or so ago with the negotiations for that Ukrainian winger. I think was it Modric, Modric, whatever. Yeah, however, I think Mudrik, his name. I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce it. Arsenal's offering eighty million, and in comes Todd Bowley, Mister, you know, <laughs> trying to be Captain America at Chelsea, and you know, comes in with what twenty-five million euros more. It's just there's no. Like I said, there's no set amount for these transfer prices. So especially like you mentioned, Chucks, when when things are really, truly exacerbated because of the pandemic, and especially those early months of the pandemic when Juventus's payroll was just absolutely outrageous because of certain players, most notably, you're going to you're going to try and find ways to to ease that burden at least a little bit. And for Juventus, this creative accounting was obviously one of those uh one of those things so yeah i mean it it's just for me it's like yeah obviously juventus is very much you know in the spotlight but like we've been saying the last you know 20 30 minutes you want to see others who have also been doing it get penalized for it because then it won't be looked at as another anti juve kind of conspiracy well and i i think what i was getting at as well is that you know I think maybe it's kind of still an unformed thought, but, you know, obviously we had the whole Super League controversy just the last, you know, I don't know how long ago actually it was now, but I mean, still ongoing anyway. You know, Super League stuff and now this, and it's just, I think the reason for both these issues, uh, Super League and Plus Valenza stuff, uh, kind of hint at the same thing, which is just this, nowadays there's just an extraordinary pressure on top clubs to generate more and more and more revenue and that's the problem i guess of football is like you really only have i mean three revenue streams which is what commercial deals merchandise and sorry four commercial deals merchandise match day revenue and player sales um, that's basically it you know and i mean yeah you you max them out pretty quickly i mean match day revenue what you're just gonna keep jacking up prices for you know, tickets, well, you know, that's not going to go over well. Eventually. Or have an ill-timed 15% off ticket sale. 
that was oh man but also that is something that the team has been doing lately has been jacking the ticket prices for 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 the allianz Right. And that's, I mean, that's a, also a very Premier League esque phenomenon. I mean, uh, I'm sure Arsenal fans, which, you know, granted, they're probably going to win the league this year, but, you know, that's something that's been uh, notorious at Arsenal, for instance. Uh, you know, just prices yes, going I, I had roof. a I had a Arsenal fan coach in college, and he said that his ticket to see Arsenal for one game mm. costs more than his flight from California over to London. Wow. And this was wow. in 2004. Oh, wow. So we didn't have inflation yet. What's <laughs> <laughs> the economy was still good back then. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, you know, yeah, match day revenue and uh, what merchandise. I mean, again, uh, as Sergio uh, will know, uh, there's only so much money you can get from merchandise, uh, too. So, uh, yeah, they have commercial deals and player sales. Uh, commercial deals, well, yeah, we've been seeing, you know, TV deals. I mean, you can, again pretty far with that but not yeah, in italy you, well, yeah 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 and i mean even there you're kind of you're dependent on which is the nature of just football as an as a as an industry is like you're dependent really on your um competitors for the quality of your product because you know you can't play a game by yourself you're dependent on the other teams being pretty good too so that the overall product the league is great so that then you get more commercial revenue so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it just, again, the one thing you kind of have left where you can be most creative is player sales. And yeah, maybe that's what, maybe that's kind of an underlying cause of this. But, uh, but I, again, I, I mean, I have seen just this in the last five to 10 years of just this crunch of top clubs with, you know, wages just going out of control with, with you know, how high they're going. I guess, yeah, clubs just feeling like we have to find new creative ways to make revenue and just, Super League is proposed, and yeah, then you have stuff like crazy uh, asset valuations of players, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, maybe that's kind of an underlying reason, and I mean that's something that's not really been addressed in, in football as an industry. And of course, that's what Daniele will tell you that you know, yeah, football, uh, the financial health of the sport is unsustainable, and you know he'll he'll die on his grave with, in favor of Super League. I mean, you know, he'll he'll carry that to his grave. But, I mean, he had a point. Just, is Super League the solution? Eh, I don't know. But he had a point, I think. Well, he, he won't be... I mean, he still has his ownership stake, but I don't think he'll be moving Juventus to England because that's where the Super League is. Uh, but I, yes, di- yeah. I digress. Shall we talk about some on-field stuff, gentlemen, to uh, kind of wrap things up here? Yeah, sure. Okay, so... Obviously, you know, we we won't dive deep in much at all into the Coppa Italia win, as Sergio mentioned in his uh, takeaway, that the, the cups are where things at now that Juventus is a, <laughs> a mid-table team. Uh, we will mention that Federico Chiesa, thankfully, uh, was on the score sheet with an absolutely beautiful goal of the season kind of candidate to win it for Juventus and just looking like the Chiesa of old again. But uh, we are recording here a few hours after Juventus had an absolutely roller coaster ride of a 3-3 draw with Atalanta, which seeing Atalanta score three, knowing how they're going lately, not exactly a big deal. Juventus scoring three and the manner in which they scored three, yeah, probably a bigger deal, but also Juventus's defense giving up the three goals in the manner they did, not very good. So uh, I know we mentioned the Atalanta draw a little bit in our takeaways, but uh, I'll start first with 
with Sergio, your thoughts on the first uh, post point penalty, say that three times fast uh, matchup for Juventus. And how do you feel like they, they played overall? Was it, was it one point earned or two points lost for you? I think it's two points lost just because, you know, when, when you look at those goals from Atalanta, like two of them just come from, from mistakes. Like they just gave them those goals. The first one, I mean, just the first one is, is, Come on, Welsh. Like, that's an easy shot that you should be able to parry at the very least. I mean, it's to the to the keeper's post. Like, there's there's no excuse for that getting in. And, you know, you're playing from behind from the first five, six, seven minutes. I think Juventus did very well to fight back, to kind of crawl back into it. Uh, they go down twice in the game. And they kind of take those punches and keep going for it. And... In a way, it feels like they 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 fought and they showed that that Grinta that people are always kind of trying to to make this team have and and they showed it, but you can't help to feel like if you only you know don't give them don't give away two goals, you win that game rather easily. I would say like I think it was a good performance, just marred by two awful awful mistakes that you can't you really can't give to any team. You definitely can't give to a team like Atalanta, who's definitely going to make you pay for it, and who's now have I, I saw it on Twitter. I, I don't have the number right with me, but has like a not insignificant amount of games in a row playing against Juventus that they that the Juve has just hasn't been able to beat them. Like they've they're now sort of a low key boogeyman for for Juve, and when you had a pretty decent chance of beating them just because of what you did on the field. You you pretty much throw it away with silly mistakes, so that that sucks because you know Napoli game aside, that was something that that Sam said earlier in the pod. That was something that they they were definitely cleaning up, and now it's back to back games in which you you gave away goals at key moments that definitely cost you cost you both matches. I want to quote a quote a great man on Twitter before one of the other guys jumps in here. And uh, it came right after Juventus's goal. It said, Woj, what the hell, buddy? Sergio, mm-hmm. do you remember who said that? Yeah, me, because what the hell? <laughs> that, was, yeah, that should be an easy save. It really should have. Like I, I, at first I, I even thought it was like a like a camera thing. Like I was I had the game on mute and I see it and it's like, okay, that that definitely hit the outside of the net. Like it definitely didn't yeah. go in. And then I saw it like right and was like, how how did he miss that? Like that was those are like Woj is a very good keeper that every now and then will have those type of holders and it's it's tough it's tough to reconcile. Since 2018-19, Juventus has beaten Atalanta twice. Yeah, yeah, that that once that in the Coppa Italia final in 2021 and once in a league game in Bergamo in November of 2019. That sounds about right. Yeah. They've only lost three of the games in that time. The all the other ones have been draws. But yeah, it's that this is not a, you know, ever since they really started making their their full-on charge under Gasparini. It's been, and I don't think, hold on, it's uh the the the, the funnier one is yeah, that we haven't beaten them at home since March of 2018. We haven't beaten them in turn since that since March of 2018. So yeah, there and and what's hilarious about that is that that was one of, you know, that was one of Agnelli's big quotes not long after 
you know, not long after things, you know, just do it. Do you really want to pay? To, do you really want to watch Atalanta in the Champions League? Well, it turns oh, out, God. yeah. <laughs> they were doing better than we were for most of those times that they were in the Champions we League. We should have known what was about to come with Andrea based on that quote, shouldn't we? Yeah. It has been very much difficult for Juventus to beat Atalanta the last four or five years. Can I can I just say that Atalanta this season, boy, they've got some really good young players who are, even for the young talent that Juventus has on its senior roster, ooh, they would be just, I mean, Juvent, Juventus aren't going to be spending big money anytime soon, I feel like, but man, they would be really good signings. I want Rasmus Hoyland on Juventus. I know it's not <laughs> going to happen because we don't have money to spend, but I want Rasmus Hoyland on Juventus. Yeah, he's deceptively fast. For, that, uh... kid look, that kid looks so good. Yeah. For a big guy, he's, yeah, he's what, very six, fast. Six two, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some Gareth Bills pays on. And Scalvini's pretty damn good too. Yes. It looks like I, I would I would guess that Inter are probably going to go hard into him this summer because Sriniar's probably gone there. But I, I would like either one of them. But man, Hoyland is good. Hoyland is really really good. Man, Inter are going to be more Italian than us. <laughs> and Lookman has the look of a guy that. Uh, <laughs> that a Prem team is going to drop a ton of money on in a year or two. Yeah, by the, by the way, I know we're about 45 minutes into this podcast, but Chucks, uh, go ahead and flex your Nigerian muscle based on uh, who's atop the Serie A score, score table. Oh, o- Oshiman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, he's, he's, he's Oshiman fire, man. and Lukman. Both uh, and Lukman, yeah, yeah. Look, although, I mean, isn't Lukman, didn't he, didn't he declare for England or something? I forget. I don't know if he, I mean, I know he's Nigerian heritage, but he played for go ahead and claim them yeah yeah you know they all leave i mean they'll they'll they'll, oh no he didn't know he's still on who scored he's got a little english flag next to his name so yeah he was born in yeah he was born in england and has oh no he just switched oh look at that yeah he played england u19 u20 u21 and just switched actually just yeah yeah to nigeria oh well well yeah, in 2022, he received clearance to represent Nigeria. Well, he was probably just like, ah, man, still, Sterling and Grealish still a little too good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, old, old Sterling, Grealish here can't can't beat that one. You know, <laughs> I'll go play for Nigeria now. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to do that. So, what were you talking about again? Oh, yes, that's the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to flex me, uh, my British little roots there. Uh, but anyway, uh, sorry, Ika, that was embarrassing. That was That's okay. Embarrassing. We always appreciate your, appreciate your accent, Chucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, like Sam said, I mean, definitely feels like two points dropped. Yeah, this game was there for the winning. Um, it, you know, Atalanta's, yeah, had a pretty interesting season because before the World Cup break, they weren't, I think I mentioned before the World Cup break, we had actually scored more goals than them because, you know, they're obviously known for scoring just a truckload of goals. And uh, yeah, before the break, they actually didn't have that many goals scored. And then just since since the return of the after the World Cup break, since the teams have returned, I mean, they've just gone on a tear. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, since the break, I think they scored. I was just calculating as you were talking 20 goals in the five games since since resuming the season. So, you know, for an average of four goals uh, per game, uh, that includes Coppa Italia. So, I mean. Yeah, well, Fair I enough. mean, Ho- Ho- Hoyland had scored before today's the streak ended. What four games in a row? Obviously, Lukman yeah. is on a on a tear, yeah, and you know, flying up the the leading scorer table. 
And yeah, they're, I mean, they're just looking like, and it's different, obviously very different kind of names leading their, their attack than before with, you know, Dusan and, and other guys, uh, or Duvon, I should say, I always mess up Dusan <laughs> and Duvon, but yeah, just different guys leading their attack compared to a few years ago when it was, you know, Duvon and, um, and the other, and the other, you know, Papu and, and all those guys. So yeah, I mean, the, the work that Gasparini has done, especially lately to get this team looking kind of like the old Atalanta from a few years ago, again, is, I mean, the reason, <laughs> the reason why they're scoring these goals in just absolute bunches right now. And I know Gasparini almost almost left um, after what was it that? Yeah, there there Gomez, have been the little some, spat with Gomez. There have been some very notable disagreements between Gasparini and either players, as you mentioned, Papu, or the management. I mean, there's it's it's bound to happen. He's been there what seven eight years now. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, fair play to them uh, for keeping him. But again, yeah, we. I mean, this was a very winnable game, especially as time as time progressed and. You know, got deeper into the second half. At one point, there's just so much space between the lines, between the fence and midfield. And I thought, you know, I mean, that's really where Di Maria kind of should, really a Trecuatista should be, yeah. uh, should be in that space. But um, yeah, definitely a uh, two points dropped. Well, you brought him up, Trucks. So I'll do the knee-jerk question here uh, as somebody actually just floated across my Twitter timeline. Un otro año para Di Maria. What do we think? Oh. I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I true. don't think yeah. that Di Maria is going to do another year. Uh, I, I think that was always his plan was was one year here, go back to Rosario and finish his his career there. So I, it would take some doing, I think, to convince him otherwise. And also it would, you know, it would start blocking guys like, you know, we had this whole discussion last week. You know, where do you fit he is in all this? It, it, it causes it causes some issues. I mean, is he still very, very good? Yes, but I at, at the end of the day, I I think that this is going to be a decision that's made for us, and I think that he's. I I just don't think that he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I think despite everything, like when he's on, like he was on against Atalanta uh, today, he he's still you know Juve just doesn't have many of those players. Like he just has a, an extra gear, an extra gear of quality, of vision, of 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 just plain skill that. You know, you don't really have anywhere else on the roster, but it just it doesn't seem to me like like he's going to stick around, especially considering everything, just everything that we just talked about in the first part of the pod doesn't seem to me like a guy who just won the World Cup, who's, you know, said like a million times how he wishes to go back to Argentina. I I just don't see him as, as, you know, a guy that's going to, you know, bleed black and white and stay with the team for another year. Like, I I don't think it's going to be a thing about Juve not wanting to. I think it's going to be a thing about Di Maria just not being all that interested in it. I mean, I think he'll be professional for the remainder of the season and, you know, do his best. And I mean, he's had two pretty solid games. I mean, against Napoli, he was, you know, one of the better players. And uh, today as well, he had a goal and basically two assists i mean one official assist and you know two another unofficial assist uh for the second yeah hockey assist that's what they call it <laughs> <laughs> indeed thank you um oh. on uh on the milik goal so you know he's clearly still i think he still has enough to put in a good performance for the rest of the season but indeed after that then it's you know then the high from the world cup is over you know you've finished the season you're 30 at the time or at that point i guess yeah i mean it's 
how bothered would I be still, you know, especially when you've won, I mean, a whole bunch of titles. Yeah, you've won basically everything, I guess. I mean, almost everything he can win, uh, he's won. So, yeah, from that's from his perspective. From the club's perspective, again, I mean, I'm surprised nobody mentioned it, but his salary, right? Was it seven, seven mil or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, for one season, I'm okay with it. Again, that was a free transfer for one season. I think, again, he'll put in good enough performances to make it worth that salary. But for two seasons, add. And then I get a little bit uncomfortable with uh, with that salary, with that level of uh, compensation. And then I say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Especially with, you know, the likes of, like you said, Sam, uh, with the youngsters coming through, you know, Samuel Ling Jr. Hopefully, you know, Sule kind of continues his development. And of course, you know, the, the elephant in the room being Chiesa as well. So, yeah, I think. One season is kind of the perfect point where it's like, okay, we've gotten good enough benefit from him, but it's that inflection point on the graph where it's like, okay, after this, you're going to get be getting declining marginal returns, as economists would say, on uh, Di Maria. So, uh, yeah, go out on the high, you know, leave it the summer, and we'll go about uh, our separate ways. I got to say, it is pretty cool to see somebody like Di Maria, who's accomplished so much, and I, uh, obviously they're teammates, so they know each other, but kind of embrace it. It seems like he's taken Fajoli under his wing a little bit, kind of like with Sule as well. And I know we talked about it on the podcast at the beginning of the season when he first arrived was like, you know, after the World Cup, what are you going to get? Well, initial returns post-World Cup seem pretty, pretty good. So, uh, you know, hopefully that that continues. But in terms of uh, Fajoli, he's no matter what Paul Pogba's status is, he's a must start, right? At this point, he has to be. He has to be. Yeah. Absolutely. The way he's playing, the way he's playing now, there, there's no sitting him, and it's funny because we all thought that it was going to be Miretti play be, who was who would be the must start by the end of the season. I I think I made that as my bold prediction, didn't I? Or no, I said I said either or, didn't I? One of the two would be a regular starter by the end of the season. Uh, but I, I I thought the odds the odds on favorites for that would be Miretti. But yeah, Fajoli is is turning it into something big. You know, if within the next two transfer windows, West McKinney leaves, do you see Fajoli in that shirt? Maybe. Well, even more shorter term with Rabio. I mean, you know, that whole contract situation. I mean, this summer, I suppose we'll let him go. So then, you know, that's a spot freed up. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. knowing that Juventus is now in the situation it's in, and Adrian Rabio has reportedly been asking for as much as he wants via his momjunt. Uh, yeah, the performances like today aren't exactly going to inspire Juventus's new board of directors to be like, that's a guy we need to commit 10 million net to. Because <laughs> there are a few moments in this game where it's just like, it's it's the Rabio before the season. It's, you know, Rabio from 12 months ago. We got some bad Rabio today. He had some decent moments, but it was that was not a good, that was not a good one today from him. Which, fair enough. I mean, he's had, a again, a pretty good season so far. So, you know, I'll cut him, cut him some slack. And that's a sentence I didn't think I'd ever say about Rabiot. But <laughs> on Sunday, we got to figure that out. Yep. We, we got to see if he's going to be just as good or if he's if he's going to fix himself up or if he's going to be that bad for an extended period of time all of a sudden. Good old Adrian Rabio, Who knew that so much of Juventus's success this season would hinge on him? <laughs> We were thinking one French midfielder wasn't necessarily Edger and Rabio. No. But uh, 
that French midfielder might be coming back pretty might actually play a game. I was going to say that uh, kind of a, a couple pieces of news as we as we wrap things up here that uh, Max Allegra was saying that uh, Paul Pogba and the aforementioned Dusan Vlaovic, not Duvan Zapata, uh, <laughs> will both, I believe, be tested in training against in some sort of friendly like situation on Thursday. And if all goes well, they sounds like they will be both of them in the match day squad for, hey, guess what? Another game against Monza. <laughs> because the last thing you need is Raffaello Palladino's very handsome good looks distracting you while you watch Juventus. Yes, indeed. Uh, serious question. Yes. Does Pogba get cheered or does he get booed if he comes on as a sub in the middle of, of the game next week? Oh, I'm sure he'll get cheered because it'll be the first time back. I don't think skiing gate has affected his reputation <laughs> with all that much of, of the, uh, it's the people not just who go to skiing gate. Just the fact that he's just the fact that this has gone, this farce has gone on so long with him. Yeah, that's true. But no, they, they seem to, uh, they seem to love him there. So yeah, frustrating. Sure. But I don't know. I don't, I don't expect him to be, to be booed at least by most of the crowd. Who knows? Mm. And also, uh, we mentioned Weston McKinney, apparently on, uh, or not apparently, but on uh, CBS, uh, the Fabrizio Romano show continued, and he mentioned that uh, all offers have suddenly kind of cooled off for Weston McKinney. So we might have, hmm. uh, we might be flying the uh, U.S. flag at Juventus a little, a little longer when it looked like he, as we said before, if there is to be a Juventus midfielder to leave this transfer window, uh, it would have been, it would have been Wes. So. That's obviously something to to keep an eye on as English clubs kind of like to do a whole host of business within the last couple of days of the transfer window closing. So we will uh, wrap things up for this week. Thank you all for listening. We will have uh, Twitter questions back next week. We knew we'd be talking a whole lot and uh, didn't want to try and squeeze them in, but we'll try and get to some next week. So if you want to send Twitter questions in, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter or send them in on Instagram. As Sergio and I try to get back on the Instagram game over these next few weeks, follow us there, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over is your search tool on all all three of those. And for the time being, that is still your search tool for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen to us for the time being on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, at least on this feed, feel free to leave us a nice review and a rating if possible. So for Sam, for Chucks, for, for and yeah, for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and producer Couch, who will hopefully edit out that mistake I just made. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Just kidding, couch, you can leave it in there. <laughs> <laughs>